I know. I didn't write any of those. I found it on the internet. Uh, uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 uh, is where we want to spend our time this morning. Uh, And so it says in verse 1, Concerning the times and the seasons, brethren, you have no need that I should write you. For you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord shall come as a thief in the night. For when they say peace and safety, then destruction, a sudden destruction comes upon them as labor pains upon a pregnant woman, and they shall not escape. But you, brethren, are not in darkness, so that this day should overtake you as a thief. You are all sons of light and sons of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk are drunk at night. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and as a helmet, the hope of salvation. For God did not appoint us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with him. Therefore, comfort each other and edify one another, just as you also are doing. Mothers that are here have probably uttered phrases like this one at some point, just wait until your father gets home. When the kids had done something, you know, particularly rotten or something, and that was a big, oh no, because... my mom uh, couldn't say that because our my folks were divorced when I was very young. Um, but, uh, you know, for many, uh, fathers, usually the disciplinarians, mothers are seen as the, the comforters. Uh, and sometimes we see God that way, don't we? Uh, we see God as somebody looking down on us, ready to pounce on us, ready to, to whoop us. And God, by the way, does, like a loving father, whip us when we need whipping. Uh, but that is, his, a true father, someone who really loves their child, will utter this. They'll say, this will hurt me a lot worse than it hurts you. And, of course, no kid ever believes that. But when you get older, you understand what that meant. That uh, it, it is painful, but a parent disciplines their children because they love them. And, and they show it. But if that's all a parent does, is the discipline going to be effective? No. The reason discipline is effective is because they know, a child knows and that their parent, whoever, it loves them. Why? Because... They don't just spank them or put them in time out or, you know, ground them or take away things. They say, I love you. And they show it with hugs and and love that they give to their family. Uh, And so that is what we want to see today, that, that God is our loving Father that we can go to in all the time. He's always there for us. See, that's the great thing about God is he doesn't stop being our father. There are fathers that stop being fathers. 
There's fathers that have children and then shirk their responsibility on to someone else. That really is not what a father is. For a father or a dad loves their children and takes care of their children and provides for their children. And so a a true loving father is always a father. Even when your kids grow up and, and move away. Now, we have Lauren just graduated high school, and she'll be starting off at Auburn University in the fall. She still has a dad. David will still be concerned about her. We'll still want to know the boys that she's hanging around. We'll still want to, you know, uh, dress a deer or two in front of them so that they know that, you know, he can do the same to them if they get out of line. He'll still tell his corny dad jokes. Why? Because he's a dad. Once you're, when you're a dad, you can't stop being a dad. And you love your children, you know, and just the same uh, dads love their children even when they're rotten. Even when, and so this, it's a relationship, and that's what I want us to see this morning, is that our standing before God comes not because of something we do, but because of a relationship that we have with God. So Paul's writing this letter to the Thessalonican church, and when he gets to this end, he it writes it to be an encouragement to them, not as a threat, wait till your father gets home, but hey, wait till your dad gets home, as a good thing. He says, listen, yeah, times are tough, and you have some struggles, and yet through all those struggles, God's still God. He's still there, he's still on the throne, nothing can knock him off. And so Paul reminds us of a couple things this morning. And the first is this, that we need to be aware of your situation. What situation? The the Thessalonians found themselves as a persecuted minority. They lived in a culture that was very hostile to the Christian faith. They had, as we've looked and we've seen in other places here in this letter, they've lost family members, they've lost business associates, some have lost their jobs. So Paul right here, he said, listen, I want you to remember that God is always God. He's saying, listen, you are not just God's and not just His in the last days or when you stand before Him. And in fact, if the only time that you know God is when you're standing before Him, you won't be standing before Him very long. But when you know it, and so Paul's point is, listen, we need to know God here and now in this life, not just in the next. And so he says, listen, it's not about trying to figure out, you know, charts and, you know, all these things. But knowing and trusting that Jesus Christ is faithful. And the world was in a mess then. It certainly is in a mess now, 2,000 years or so, just about later. All the wars, all the strife, all you know, all kinds of craziness going on in our world. 
And Paul uses the name. People think, you know, they've got blinders on or they're disillusioned. They, they think they're safe. They think there's peace. And they're going about just like everything's hunky-dory. And all of a sudden, disaster comes. It's like he uses the example, he uses a couple different analogies. He says, listen, it's a thief that comes in the night. In other words, he's saying, listen, Jesus is coming back, and this world will be judged, but we don't need to toil and wring our hands and worry about when that's going to happen or how it's going to happen, because we know the Lord. We know that God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are with us, and they all power. And so there's safety and security in knowing that Jesus is not only our Savior, but he's also our Lord. And so Paul says, know your situation. Know whether you belong to the Lord or not, because that's what makes a difference. Not if everything in your life is going just swimmingly well and, you know, it's just all tulips and daisies and marshmallows. There are joyful things in this world. And we need to enjoy life and enjoy the blessings that God sends our way. But we also all know, don't we, that life isn't all joy and smiles. Sometimes life is hard. Being a dad is hard. Being a parent is hard. Sometimes you want to strangle those little monsters. Perhaps uh, Michael has uttered the word to Peyton, since he's not here. I'm sure never uttered these words to Jake. I brought you into this world. I can take you out. (laughs) But we need to remember that even when uh, God gets frustrated with us, and I guarantee you he does, with every single one of us, he still loves us. And he's still there for us. And so this thing about our situation is knowing that we stand with the Lord. So hidden within this is, uh, Paul uses some, some imagery. The Bible in the Old Testament and the New Testament both use darkness as a symbol for sin and evil. And light is a symbol of life and joy and godliness. John picks it up this way. He said, God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. Well, Paul's echoing that same sentiment just kind of not coming out and saying it directly. He says, listen, your behavior shows whether you belong to the Lord or whether you don't. It shows whether you're in the light or in the dark. Now, we all use the restroom regularly, hopefully. We all know it's a whole lot easier in the daytime when the, or when the lights are on. We can see the way, we know the way, you know, we, we get to the bathroom, we do our business, and 
go back to whatever we were doing. But probably all of us have gotten up in the middle of the night. Some of you get up, you know, as you get older, more and more frequently in the dark. And something that's happened to everyone that does that when they get up in the night and it's dark, you step on a Lego that the kid left out, or you stub your toe on the bed or on the chest of drawers, or you know, and you utter words that you didn't even know that you knew because it hurts. Well, why don't you do that during the day? Because you can see. Because you're aware of your surroundings. But when it's dark, and especially if it's dark and you're in a place you don't know, that's a little bit more disconcerting, isn't it? The thing about light is that light is never darkness. If there's light, it's not dark. In fact, light chases away darkness, doesn't it? And so Paul says, you know what? You are sons of light. He said, church, you know the light. And the light that he's talking about is Jesus Christ. And so he said, if that light is in your life, it doesn't matter if the entire world around you is crumbling, you're still in light. Because the light doesn't come from you, and the light doesn't come from your circumstances. The light comes from the Lord. In the paper this past week, there were a story about, in California, the power company there cutting power to several homes to prevent fires. It was especially dry, and so they had these rolling blackouts. they just thankful that, you know, we're not in that situation here because, uh, you know, I don't know how they made it before air conditioning, but they did. But now that we have it, when we don't, we miss it, don't we? But the thing is about God's power that he'll never turn it off. That he's always there. And the little kid saw that was seeing this light, little light of mine. I'm going to let it shine. It really is not our light. It's Jesus' light. And nothing can blow out Jesus' light. So even when there's war and there's crumbling around us and there's difficulties in life and we're mad at everybody and seems everybody's mad at us and the world is just turned upside down. Paul's message to us is stand and be in the light as he is in the light. So he says, listen. Also, I want you to know That being a child of light also he uses another now, you know, it says, listen, let's be of the day, let's be sober. All of us know the difference between somebody that's sober and somebody that's drunk. Now, drunks will always deny that they're drunk. But you can tell. Police officers know when a car goes, woo, woo, you know, down the street and, you know, they changing lanes and driving down the wrong lane on the road. Something's not right. 
and they pull him over. As soon as they step up to the window and say, good evening, sir, good evening, Matt, they know if they're drunk or not. You know, they have that little machine, they make them blow in it to test it, or, you know, the finger, you know, whatever those sobriety tests are that they might make them do. They can tell pretty quick, even without those tests, if somebody's drunk or not. They just have to have, you know, the proof to... There's evidence of it. Well, isn't there a truth that those that are drunk chose to get drunk? Nobody made them get drunk. They made the choice. Paul's reminding us the same is true in our spiritual life. If we want to be sober, if we want to be in the light, we choose to be in the light. If we want to choose to be in the darkness, God will let us be in the darkness. Is that for our best? Is that what God wants? No, that's not what God wants. But God will allow us because he doesn't make us robots. He gives us the ability, even as saved people, to make our own choices. And so if we look around our life and we see a lot of darkness, that means that we've been making dark choices. Because everywhere there's light, darkness goes away. And so Paul says, choose to be in the light. So he says, be aware of your situation. And then finally he says, be aware of your security. Part of of that security is knowing that no matter what comes... You still belong to God. You know you do not belong to God based on your actions. Just like all of us, we we look like our parents. We can't change that. We have DNA. You can, you know, have plastic surgery or wear hats or something, but you can't change your DNA. Jake has half of Bobby's DNA inside him. And half of my and he can't do a thing about it. Why? Because it's ingrained in him. And Paul wants us to know that as God's children, when we become in Christ, God changes our DNA. And we become not our own, but we become his. And so that while when we were born in this world, we had sinful spiritual DNA. When Christ comes into our life, he makes us new and he replaces that sinful DNA with spiritual DNA. And the process of, uh, if you will, of sanctification is that that DNA become more and more a part of our life. And that sinful DNA becoming less and less a part of our life. And so Paul says, listen, you need to behave like a child of God. Not so that you can be a child of God, but because you are. Because your DNA says you are a child of God. So he says, behave like it. And be proud of that. And don't be ashamed of it. He says, listen, the Lord comes and 
And he says, listen, the day will come where, where God sends the day of, of grace and love. And we are secure in knowing that God loves us even despite ourselves. And that scripture is true. 1 John 1, 9, you remember, says, if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And John was not writing that to lost people. He was writing it to the church. Because, in case you didn't know, even saved people sin sometimes. And when saved people sin, they need to ask God to forgive them just like lost people do. That we need to live in... But knowing that, hey, listen, even though... I've straight, even done. I've done something that God told me not to, or I knew that was wrong. I've been walking too close to the darkness. If I'll turn back to the light, you, keeping using that analogy, God will be there for me, and He'll save me. And he'll welcome me back, just like I never left. And so there's security and safety in that that we know that we belong to Him. There are wars, there's bombings in you know, Columbus and Phoenix City. There's been a killing or a robbing or a stabbing every day over the last couple of weeks. Been in the paper. We do. We live in a dangerous world. Well, what's the answer? Do we just stay in our homes, lock ourselves inside and not go out and not do anything? No, that's silly. Yeah, the world is dangerous. But can this world destroy God? Nope. Is this world more powerful than than the God that made it? Absolutely not. And so we live our life. And we live in such a way that, hey, if Jesus comes back today, that's great. If he doesn't, well, I'm going to live in the light and trust that God's still God no matter what yuts is in the White House or what dumb things Congress has done or what some politician's done or what our boss has done or whatever it might be. Because the things that so easily get us defeated and want us to give up, those are things Satan puts in our path. And the only reason they can defeat us is if we allow them to. Saying that wonderful hymn, Victory in Jesus, is one of my favorites too. It's not just something we sing about. And it's not just something we'll experience in heaven one day. But Paul reminds us in these 11 verses that we read this morning, victory in Jesus is something that we're supposed to know here and now. So that we have the mindset and the attitude that no matter what comes our way, no matter what trials come our way, Jesus is still Lord. He's still King. And nobody and no thing can knock him off his throne. But we can knock him off the throne of our life, can't we? Nothing can and no one else outside of ourselves can, but we can. 
also Paul's admonition is, hey, listen, I don't need to write to you about the, the times and the warnings and, you know, give you all these charts and different things. And Paul says, be ready. But as you're ready, live life. How do we know that? Because look at what he says. He, in chapter 4, concludes with saying, listen, love one another just as you're doing, but do it even more. And he ends this verse 11 the same way. He said, encourage one another and exhort one another with these things. In other words, you be an encouragement, not just to yourself, but to your brothers and sisters in the Lord that might be fighting a battle or might be discouraged. You lift them up. Why can you lift them up? Because you have Jesus inside of you. And because you're not defeated. And because you're not defeated, you can go to a brother or sister in the Lord that's discouraged and you can help lift them up. And you can fight the battle together. A basketball team of one will never win a basketball game, no matter if they're even as tall as Jake is and got Jake's speed and athleticism. Takes a team, doesn't it? You see, in our Christian life, though, we think that we're all Magic Johnsons or Michael Jordans, but not this Michael Jordan, (laughs) the basketball player Michael Jordan. But in reality, is that we need one another. that we need brothers and sisters coming alongside of us. And so Paul says, be aware of your situation, and then you be aware of your security, knowing that no matter how bad the odds seem, with the Lord on your side, you're assured that victory will come. And so what's our next step? What do we do with that? Well, Paul tells us, encourage and exhort one another with these things. Be there with one another. Live life with your brothers and sisters and let them know that, hey, listen, there's hope. That's not the end of the train yet. But the only reason we can have that hope, again, is not in ourselves, it's not in us. But it is in Christ. And if Christ knows us and we know him, As Lord and Savior, when we hear the words, wait till your father comes home, it's not a thing of dread. It's a thing of joy. Say, yes, I get to go home. And I hope that that's what it will be. And if you're walking with him in light, when God says, hey, it's time for you to come home, you'll say, all right. But if you're walking in darkness, you're going to say, oh, no, not yet. Five more minutes. Five more minutes, Mom. And it'll be a thing of dread. See, this world is scary. And it is dangerous. But Jesus said to his disciples, he said, I send you out among wolves. There are a lot of wolves in this world. 
We see that more and more every day. But you know what? God can take wolves and turn them into sheep. Only God can do that, by the way, but he can do it. And he wants to do it. And that's the only way our world will get better is when Jesus gets in the world more. And when this light world is more light than darkness. Then it will be better. But not until then. So if God will encourage us and exhort us in these things. Let's pray together. Lord, we love you. Thank you for your word and how it challenges us. Lord, thank you that you are a God that loves us despite ourselves sometimes. Lord, if there's one here today that doesn't know you and the free forgiveness of sin, Lord, would you help them today to come to you and trust you, to receive that gift of salvation that you paid for on the cross of Calvary? Help them to acknowledge that they're sinners, say, Lord, I know I'm a sinner and I've done wrong in my life. And I deserve to spend eternity in hell, but I also know that you died in my place on the cross and I received that gift today. Give me this new life that we talked about today. Lord, maybe there's one of your children here today, Lord, and they are light, but oh, their bulb is just barely flickering because they're hanging around in too much darkness. And the darkness is trying to snuff out their light. And Lord, if that's them, would you, I pray you would convict their heart this morning. Lord, that they would cry to you in, in, in plea and in earnestness, as David said, Lord, restore to me the joy of your salvation. Lord, help us to be light in this dark world until you come again for us. We pray in Jesus' name. Let's stand together. God's